Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Steve Pederuti from Intellectual Medicine, talking to you once again about the 100-year lifespan. You know, folks, the first thing I did, at least one of them, when I got up this morning was look in the mirror. I'm going to guess that most of you did that in a similar priority. In fact, most people, before they leave their home, they look in the mirror. Why do we do that? Because we want to present our best self to the world. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you think of your appearance, whether you're beautiful or less beautiful, whatever your perception, you want to look your best. And when I say that to you and I talk about skin care, many of us think immediately about the face. Well, it goes well beyond that. Today, we're going to talk about your skin, how to maintain it, what is the science and the breakthroughs that can be applied right now to keep your skin more vital. I'm talking about from your hair to your toenails and everything in between. Yes, to include your face. So let's start with the basics. Good skin begins before you were born. If you're fortunate, you were born of a mother who had good nutritional habits, who didn't smoke. You were born by a natural delivery and not a C-section. Okay, that's beyond your control. I get it. But don't fret. No matter the condition when you came out, things can be improved. So think about the purpose of skin. It's there to keep stuff out. It's also there to keep stuff in. It's semi-permeable. It's got keratinized surface. This is hard, if you will, dead skin cells that act a bit like armor. They repel penetration. Water beads up on it. Things have a tough time getting through. That's to protect you. Everything from bacteria to viruses to toxins have a difficult time getting through the skin. This is why skin is considered to be part of your immune system, and any kind of a break in the skin is a violation of your immune defense. So that's one purpose. The other prevents you from getting dehydrated. It keeps moisture inside the body. So keeping your skin intact, again, head to toe, is part of your immune defense. If there's a crack in the skin, it can be a point of entry for bacteria that can move about and get in other parts of the body. So one of the things I do recommend, yes, look at your face. Let's not neglect, let's not neglect everything below the knee. Oftentimes, people kind of ignore their feet. Take a look at them. The feet should be smooth and clean. They shouldn't be scaling. Your toenails should not be thick and irregular. If they are, needs to be addressed. How about your scalp? Is it smooth? Is it healthy? Or is it flaky and dry? And if so, why is it like that? So there are a few things that we have to contemplate. Skin, the condition of your skin, reflects the condition of your body. If you are in an inflammatory state, your skin will frequently demonstrate that. What do I mean? If you're sick, if you're stressed, if your gut is inflamed, if you're eating pro-inflammatory foods, now some of those are well known, but they're not universal. If you're treating your gut in an inhospitable manner, uh, excessive alcohol and caffeine use can also tilt things against you. So when I see somebody who has scaling dry skin, patches of eczema, one of the first things I do is focus on the stomach. How does your stomach feel? If you tell me it's bloating and that you have irregular bowel movements unformed and that you sometimes get heartburn 
especially if you're on a proton pump inhibitor like Prilosec or Omeprazole. These are warning signs that something's not right in your stomach. Now, a good approach is to start out with the basics. So nutritionally, to keep your skin healthy, you want to try to eat on a regular schedule. I am not an advocate of fasting of any sort unless it's for religious and spiritual purposes. People who do intermittent fasting, it's a bit of a fad right now. They seem to ascribe to it health value that is yet to be proven. Some studies, early studies on this dynamic of fasting have shown a decrease in muscle mass in people that do intermittent fasting. So you can choose to do that if you like it, but I don't consider it to be a, a commodity of good health. Our bodies are constantly turning cells over and therefore they need a reliable supply of micronutrients. So avoiding inflammatory foods, we talked about think junk food and think um, excessive alcohol. I had a gentleman recently who developed a black tongue. Now this is a common phenomenon. It's usually not dangerous. The discoloration happens when the taste buds, the little papillae, become thickened and they take on a dark hue. This is most commonly from irritants, either poor oral hygiene, tobacco, or a cycle of increased drinking. You're going away on a vacation, all of a sudden, bingo, the tongue turns black. So that's an example of the stomach inflammatory skin connection. So if you're having problems with skin in general, think gut and contemplate modifications. If you're struggling with that, a good functional doctor, a naturopath, or many chiropractors can help guide you nutritionally. Uh, there are tests that can be done called infl food inflammation tests. These tests can help to determine which foods are most pro-inflammatory. Don't assume that you should go gluten-free. That's a pain in the neck. Gluten's everywhere. And in some cases, it can be helpful. The problem is I see too many people just randomly plugging into a gluten-free eating pattern on the presumption it's going to reduce their inflammation. Well, maybe, but only if gluten is a particular trigger for you, and that can be hard to determine. So a food inflammation test can be fruitful. I had one patient that was going gluten-free, said, Doc, I don't understand what's wrong. My gut's inflamed. My skin's a mess. I'm taking lots of turmeric because I read it's a good anti-inflammatory. That's a generally true statement. However, in this individual, when we did the food inflammations test, it lit up for turmeric. We took him off the turmeric, his stomach and his skin got better. So consider your gut. What else? In America, we abuse our skin. What do we do? We shower, scalding hot shower, lots of soap. Goodness, stop already. It's awful. That soap strips away necessary oil. Oil is important to your skin. It keeps moisture in. It prevents the skin surface from drying out. My recommendation, only use soap under the arms, in the groin, in your butt, where skin meets skin, little targeted areas. You really don't need any soap below the waist on your feet unless there's particular oil or dirt that has accumulated. Diminish the amount of soap and for, please do not put soap on your face. Look, I'm a guy, I can remember when I would scrub my face you know, with Irish Spring, whatever toxin I can get a hold of, perfume, aggressive, 
That was a bad thing to do, I've now learned. On your face, you should only use non-soap cleansers. Well, how do you know? You can get this from most of your docs, from your functional docs. You can also find this at, um, at health and beauty stores. If it makes suds, it's soap. Don't put it on your face. Same thing with your scalp. Don't overutilize hair washing. It will lead to damage. Guys do this more so than women. For women, it's much more of an undertaking. But you want to be thoughtful about avoiding excessive shampooing. So less uh, hot showers. And lukewarm is better if you hit your skin with scalding hot water. You can end up with a cycle of drying, itching, and scaling. Now, what I recommend when you're in the shower and before you get out, coat your skin, particularly the legs, the back, the areas that are prone to drying, maybe your arms, a little baby oil. Now, baby oil is nothing more than a mineral oil with, an, with a scent added to it, so a plain mineral oil can work. You want to rub that into your skin. Some people like coconut oil for this purpose. And you want to rub it into your damp skin. It'll help trap moisture, prevent dryness, add a luster to the skin. Then when you dry off, just pat yourself dry. Don't rub. Rubbing is just an irritant. It does no good. You do not want to be squeaky clean. You want to dab it. Well, so we've got your shower down, right? It's going to be lukewarm. It's not going to be super hot. We've got your gut under control. You're going to target that. By the way, when I say inflammation, think acne. Acne is another uh, manifestation of gastrointestinal inflammation and systemic inflammation. Now, what else do I recommend? If you're over 30, let's use that as a rough cutoff, although this is advice for anybody. I recommend coating your toenails after you shower with some Vicks VapoRub, a little thin film of it. Why? Because it'll help suppress and prevent toenail fungus. This is very prevalent. The world is covered in fungus. Our feet come in contact with it. Our toenails and our toes are vulnerable. If you get athlete's foot, peel your toes apart and look between your toes. If you see scaling between your toes, that's athlete's foot. Treat it with an over-the-counter antifungal cream. If you don't, that fungus can linger and can eventually infect the toenails and make them yellow and disfigured. When that happens, it's difficult to eradicate. There are certain prescription drugs that you can talk to your doctor about, but far better to be preventative. In fact, uh, as an athlete, somebody that goes to the gym and gym frequently, that's a better way to phrase it. To call myself an athlete Man, that's a bit of an exaggeration. I like to go to the gym. And as such, showering afterward is a part of the routine. I like to use an antifungal cream between my toes. My toes are very tight. They're kind of bunched together. And I found that this pattern helps prevent athlete's foot. I also take Vicks VapoRub and we'll do a little coating on each toenail. This is preventative maintenance and can be done for men or for women, uh, particularly as we get older, more vulnerable to this. And oh, by the way, if you're a diabetic, double down on all these techniques. Diabetics are super prone toward fungal infection. If you see red scaling skin in folds of your skin, where skin meets skin, in the groin, if you're overweight, you can have folds in your belly. If you're a heavy woman, it could be under the breast, or for that matter, a heavy man. It could be under the arm. This is likely to be a fungus, and it is safe to treat it with over-the-counter antifungals. 
Give it a couple of weeks. If it doesn't get better, get your doc con- to consult with you. Well, let's go on to other things. How about how about supplements? We see a lot promoted about biotin. Biotin or vitamin B7, it's a valuable asset for your skin. It's known to be necessary for its health. However, all of the multi-million billion dollar industry surrounding biotin and its various forms emanates from really one small paper that was published many years ago, which showed a very mild correlation. Now, I don't disparage biotin. However, it is simplistic and misdirected to think of that as a standalone supplement worthy of exclusive use. Remember, the B vitamins work as a team. They all work together. And if you're deficient in several of them, you're going to have a problem. They're not going to link up really well. So do I recommend biotin for your skin? Not as a standalone supplement. Never. I recommend it in combination with other supplements, things that can help make collagen. Collagen, by the way, is that nice, elastic, rubbery, beautiful stuff that keeps our skin, our arteries, and all the connective tissue rubbery and healthy. So I like a mixture of B vitamins. Vitamin C is your best friend when it comes to collagen. If you take too much by mouth, you will get diarrhea. However, taking up to 2,000 milligrams at a time can be tolerated with most people. Now, in intellectual medicine, we use intravenous vitamins to help support skin health. We have an infusion called the, called the, um, the firm, which can directly infuse micronutrients into the IV that can be utilized for the manufacturing of collagen. This is often done in combination with skin treatments, such as intense light and microneedling. We will talk about that in our advanced skin care edition, which will follow this one. Um, when it comes to the gut, oftentimes intravenous treatments of micronutrients can stabilize gut inflammation. All these de- details will be coming out in my new book, Vitamized Health. It's going to be published within the next couple of months and will be available for purchase so that you can educate yourselves about the use of intravenous vitamin for maintaining your health, including your skin health. So we've talked about shower, we've talked about gut, we've talked about some supplements. How about what to wash your face with? We talked about a non-soap cleanser. Moisturizing, it's a good routine, particularly in the evening you know, before bed. I would say the basics of skincare would include non-soap cleanser and a moisturizer to use at night and a nice sunblock to put on as a routine in the morning. Good sunblock would be comfortable to your skin, would be compatible with your makeup that you're putting on if you're a woman or even a guy, uh, whoever's using makeup. The reason to use it year-round is because the ultraviolet rays pound our skin year-round, the face in particular, coming through the windshield, through the car, reflecting off of the snow. And by getting in the habit of putting it on in the morning, in men, if your ears or women, if your ears are exposed, the top of the ear and the back of the neck are two target zones where we tend to see a lot of skin cancer manifest later in life. So if you make this a habit, it will help your skin age more slowly. Hey, I want to live to be 100, but I often will say, I just don't want to look the part. You don't want to look like 
a handbag as you move into your latter part of life. And that, folks, is a delayed effect. The ultraviolet damage done today will come to roost in about 10 or 20 years. So you want to get in this habit no matter where you are in your life arc. Now remember, when it comes to sun exposure, we want you to enjoy the sun. Get out there and have a great time. But limit exposure, especially to the high-risk areas. I like hats and shade. It's superior to sunblock. Remember, if you have sunblock, the sun's ultraviolet rays will penetrate the skin and can damage the collagen layer beneath the skin surface. Even though you're not getting a sunburn, you can still be accelerating the aging process beneath the skin in that ever-precious collagen layer. That gets wrinkled. The skin goes with it. How about tanning, using a tanning booth? Universally, this is considered a risk factor for cancer. However, in some cases, it can have merit if used in balance. You do want to talk to your doc about how to address scaling skin conditions. Some of these respond to judicious use of ultraviolet exposure. If you choose to do that, make sure to cover your head because you don't need it on your face and the back of your neck. So skin maintenance, absolutely. How about skin health? Well, skin cancer is one of the most prevalent forms of cancer in the country. And it can be really hard to tell, especially if you've got busy skin with lots of freckles. That type of skin has a higher risk of developing melanomas. Melanomas are potentially life-threatening cancers. They can be hard to determine whether a freckle is a melanoma or not. If you have lots of them, you owe it to yourself to make an annual appointment with a dermatologist specialized in skin mapping. A good dermatologist will be able to look at your skin, make a photographic record of suspicious lesions for sequential monitoring, and remove those that need to be biopsied for diagnostic purposes. Many family doctors possess this skill as well. If they haven't if they don't have you get fully undressed, it's not a full skin exam. Melanomas often occur below the waist, and therefore you want to be having help for someone to examine the areas that are hard to look at, the bottom of your feet, the buttocks, etc. So an annual skin map, make that part of your skin maintenance routine, a good facial attention to facial skin care, a good anti-aging skin cream. There are many out there. Many of these can be recommended by your skincare specialist, your family doc, or your anti-aging doc. Often they'll contain some um, Retin-A, also known as tretinoin, that has been shown to have anti-aging attributes. So overall, skincare, make it part of your routine. If you have breakdown of your skin, it deserves attention. It deserves to be remedied. If you have thickened and irregular toenails, it deserves to be treated even if that means taking an oral medication. Another beautiful treatment for fungal toenails is ozone therapy, a topic we could talk about as we continue to expand on the role of ozone in general health care. Now, next time we're going to be talking about microneedling, lasers, light therapy, Botox, and fill. Where should this be utilized? What's the long-term consequence? Is it good or is it bad? That'll be coming up as I discuss Skin Anti-Aging Part 2 in my next podcast. Thanks, folks, for your attention. 
and uh, go out there and live your best life. Let's shoot for 120 together. It'll be fun.